We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody. We are the Pettiest Bills Podcast. I'm not bright enough for all of that. Drew Gator. Because I thrive off negativity, it's just more hackery from a charlatan and a carpetbag. The Rock Pile Report. Oh, my blood pressure's rising. He gave him Coors Banquet beers out of spite. The Pettiest, Hardest Drinking Bills Podcast. I'll go to hell and back just to prove a point. to another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. In studio with us, Mr. Ryan Lasel from Rock Sports Network. And we're here talking about your Week 11 preview, the New York Jets at the uh, Buffalo Bills. Time, 4.25 p.m., which I always have a weird... Is it weird? You couldn't decide. Was it 405? Was 405, it 410? Chris chastised you for the You literally <laughs> said... You literally said... 4.15, no game has ever kicked off at 4.15. Have you, I'm always have, drunk by then. Have Who you knows? Ever, you've, which tells me you've never watched a football game in your life. Yeah, I've never. Just kick off at 4.15. He's, he's usually so drunk that they all blur together into one long Yeah, Chris, game. by the time the Bills game ends at 1 o'clock, I'm not paying attention to when, what, what time those games kicked off. Anybody listening to this right now knows that you are a horse's ass for thinking that there's a 4.15 kickoff. Chris... Nothing makes me happier than knowing that for as much as you feel that way, there's at least a third of our listeners who feel the exact same way. They didn't know either. Why? Because they drink the way I drink, and it's why they like us. <laughs> the place is Ralph Wilson Stadium, Orchard Park, New York. The weather, a balmy 43 degrees, 71% chance of rain with 15 mile an hour winds. Or snow, depending on how cold Jesus it gets. Jesus Christ. And the, uh, the line... Chris, the line is a hilarious Bills minus seven. What? In, in what world? Apropos of what? <laughs> Chris, actually, before we started recording, snarkily just kind of threw out their EPA. And it, this guy's what you don't That's what it is. The brilliance of, the, DVOA. the brilliance of Chris is that he's not actually funny. He's situationally <laughs> funny because Whatever you're talking about, he has a dry one-liner, or he has like one sentence he can insert into something that just 
it's funnier than anything you can think of. Yeah, it's the uh, people that run Las Vegas believe EPA. Mm. Bills minus seven. That works. No. I wonder if they're still just trying to bait the rubes at this point. Oh, people will absolutely hammer Buffalo minus seven. <sighs> Comeback. New offensive coordinator. <laughs> Josh Allen on a mission. Finally not hung, you know, dragged down by that bum Dorsey. They're going to get a ton of action. I'll be surprised if that line doesn't move to minus eight by the time it's kickoff. That's a mess. The crew for the game is Alan Eck. Chris, who do we got on the call? Who's Alan Eck? Listen, because <laughs> here's, I, look at my, like I, lo- I look at my officials the way I look at my offensive linemen. If I don't have to hear your name, I assume you're doing your job. There you go. McGovern. How often have we complained or even talked about Connor McGovern? My my father actually texted me during I think it was one of the Jets games, and he says, "Did did McGovern used to play for the Jets?" I'm like, McGovern currently plays for the Bills, and there's also one that plays for the Jets. Mm-hmm. He had he has no idea who our left guard is, that, and because the, he never hears his name called, he said to me the other day, "Who's who's that? Who's 68?" Yeah, so that's your starting left guard for the entire season. <laughs> that's it, Dad. But because you've never had a reason to yell that guy's name, yeah. outside of your home, God your damn underwear. it! Yeah, wait, am I the only one doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Chris, who do we have on the call? The uh, the goats, Nance, Romo. Nance and oh, Romo for how this mad game? are they? Uh, if you, you know they scheduled that thinking if this is good. You live in <laughs> most of California, Oregon, Arizona, Washington State, half of Idaho. You guys are fucked. You get Seattle at LA. The rest of the country has Bills and Jets. How mad are Nance and Romo where they go, okay, we understood ESPN took the first one. We get the second one because it's going to be Rodgers. And and then they look at this and go, oh, wait, it's a poor man's Josh Allen against an even poorer man's whatever the fuck they're trotting out there, quarterback. (laughs) Like, this sucks. It it this is this is the I thought we were done with this. <laughs> the, I thought exactly. we were done with this when I, they drafted Josh Allen. I thought these days were behind us that we were walking into games like this. The injury report does look like it's like it's kind of moving, uh, trending in the right direction for some Bills players. Sure, I think the most important ones are probably Benford, sure. right? Like Benford, Hyde. <laughs> sure, none, none of this matters. No, no, well, that's what I mean. Like, preface I, this with none of this matters. We're going to talk about it anyway. No, but that's it. It's like I try to do this every week, and I, this happened last time. Last time I was sitting here going, "Guys, I just can't bring myself to." It wasn't. It wasn't this hard when it was the drought teams, right? Like I go, guys, I can't bring myself to put any thought into previewing a game against the Broncos. That essentially, I don't. I don't know what to say about this team that we could yeah. do any differently, and yet. Here we are again, talking about well, who's on the injury report. Like it matters! <laughs> it's, it, like it matters! It's so frustrating. It's like, you could tell me they're healthy. I don't know if they're going to play like they're healthy. Yeah. You could tell me that we're injured. They, they, our starters might be as good as our backups at this point. We don't know. What I know for the Jets, that's probably what people care about the most. Sure. You look at the Jets injury report, there's an, they're getting healthier, although I don't know what that means, right? Like, you've got like guys on the report, like John Franklin Myers and Quincy Williams, but they're full participants. They yep. just have to have a designation because they missed something. Dwayne Brown being healthy, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for them. 
you know, Will McDonald limited, Makai Becton being limited might be interesting, but that's probably more maintenance, right? Because it's a knee thing. I would guess, yeah. The, Bill, Billy Turner missing for a finger is, that's Billy that's Turner's something. funny. Well, that's and something. that's why you're happy Dwayne Brown is back with his hip injury, but are you happy Dwayne Brown is back? Yeah. It's it's a really funny thing to have to sit here and try to preview a New York Jets game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Ryan, as we launch into this nonsense, imagine a world where the Buffalo Bills have lost, not once, but twice, to the Zach Wilson New York Jets. It's bad. You're talking about a nightmare scenario. We didn't lose twice to Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold's a much better quarterback than Zach Wilson. Maybe that's that. Ar- that might even be arguable. Maybe that's almost offensive for me to say in front of you. You can Jets ask fans. our new offensive coordinator. <laughs> I can ask our new offensive coordinator. That is a Twilight Zone nightmare scenario. That we might be living if the Buffalo Bills can't figure out a way to get past this football team and split with them for a second consecutive year. And so we're here to talk to us all about it. You guys know him and love him from the AFC's Roundup podcast every single week. Mr. Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet. Scott, is it fair or unfair to say that Sam Darnold was better than Zach Wilson? To this point, he's been better than Zach Wilson, but what are we really arguing? (laughs) What are we comparing here? Is it like saying what tastes better, spicy brown mustard or Dijon mustard? Both of them are unnecessary. (laughs) Like nobody actually needed either of these. Nobody asked the mustard industry for more. They were like, oh, yellow mustard, stone ground mustard. Like what? Just give me mustard. It's all the same. (laughs) Give me yellow mustard and I can make the rest. Exactly. (laughs) Ah, <laughs> oh, Scott, here we're, we're going to do this again. Now, here's the one thing that's changed since the last time we talked. You know, usually you guys are the ones who kind of wallow in the pit of despair and we kind of like look down and go, hey, as bad as my problems are, at least I'm not those guys. Such is not the case. We are right there. In fact, we're strange bedfellows in this where your AFC, you know, hopes dreams, aspirations of the summer. Both of our teams are sitting squarely in a place that I don't think we thought we'd be three months ago, four months ago. Do you think that that's a fair statement to make? Yeah, I think everybody thought that there was going to be a big battle for the division. (laughs) 
and that it was going to be between the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Bills. And it kind of is, but nowhere near the way that we thought. We figured those three teams would be among the class of the AFC, and it makes sense because preseason odds had all three teams in the top ten to go to the Super Bowl. The Bills, I think, were fourth. The Jets were like seventh, and the Dolphins were tenth. And what you've seen so far, obviously it's different for the Jets because they lost Aaron Rodgers, which is the whole reason why the expectations were so high. With the Dolphins, you've seen them do very well against teams that aren't so good. Now, that doesn't make them not a good team. What it does mean is that perhaps they're not quite the class of the AFC East the way that you might have thought after they put 70 points or whatever it was on Denver. And the Bills... Even though Josh Allen hasn't missed any time, and I know they've they've missed some pieces on defense, Matt Milano, the biggest one, five and five, you look at that and you got to wonder what's happening in Buffalo. And you and I talked about it on Play Like a Jet this week on the Know Your Foe episode. But my goodness, man, like the Dolphins are around where you might have thought they'd be. The Jets are not quite where you thought they'd be because of Aaron Rodgers and the Bills I, I got no answers. I mean, you and I talked, and you didn't seem to have a lot of great answers either. So it's just kind of... Well, I've got answers, just nobody likes them. That's the problem. I have plenty of answers. Nobody likes my answers. They are, <laughs> And it's probably good that I'm not allowed to own or operate an NFL franchise because, you know, it would be... I'm sure it would be Haslam-esque, but it, it would at least be more fun than what I'm seeing out of the Buffalo Bills right now. So as we talk about the New York Jets coming into this matchup, you know, recency bias, I just I take a look at some things, right? First of all, your last game, I'm not going to lie to you. I tried to stay up to watch that because I felt like it would make, you know, I'm petty. I wanted to see you guys play a game where you lost to a Raiders team that kind of found its groove. Turns out that was just the smoke and mirrors of playing the New York Giants. Anybody who plays the New York Giants outside of the Buffalo Bills has had a career day so far this year. That alone should tell you how bad things have gotten. (laughs) That we couldn't hang a 20-burger on those guys. That we were stuck scrapping it out to the final gun. So I think when I sat down to watch that game, I thought what I was going to be treated to was this game where this team, this Raiders offense that just had find its, uh, found its groove under new coaching, and they were going to come in, and they were going to, obviously, I thought that they were going to piece you guys up by at least two scores. But I overestimated Aiden O'Connell grossly, Ryan. I mean, O'Connell hasn't been. Ryan, what would you say about O'Connell? Uh, he's been less than ideal. Less than ideal is probably the nicest way you yeah. could put it. In terms of not only that, but he also has one of the dumbest mustaches. It's 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 atrocious. <laughs> like in my America, like when I run for president, that's not not an arrestable offense, but you will get a ticket in the mail. A citation. Yeah. You have to pay a tax to have a mustache like that in my America. Well, if you run for president, the only votes you're getting are me and Chris. Your own wife wouldn't vote for you. So let's. No, just- nobody wants to live. <laughs> What I have to do is get rich like Bezos and then buy Greece and then just rename that in my in a kind of remake the country in my own image. But in any event, so I expected this thing to go drastically different than it did because that first half was just this back and forth festival of people making mistakes. 
and their mistakes are obvious. But the Jets' mistakes, I feel like some of them should have been ironed out by now. And then I'm, I'm realizing, as you've talked about, because I, I, I'm not going to lie to you, I will not watch a lot of Jets football. That feels like putting bleach in your eyes on purpose. Uh, but I watched them on Sunday, and what I saw from your team was a lot of unnecessary, like, <sighs> unnecessary mistakes by the player, by, by not just the play caller, but also just in terms of the actual execution of the X's nose by your offense. What do you think is the biggest problem with the Jets offense coming into a matchup like this against Buffalo? I mean, in How terms much time of their, got? Uh, well, well, I was going to say, who, oh, here's a question. Who's your wide receiver too? Let's start there. Yeah, well, that kind of plays into that. <laughs> so, Alan Lazard was supposed to, well, all right, let's back up a little bit. <laughs> Alan Lazard's only here because Aaron Rodgers is here. Yeah, look, there, there's supposed to be a, I guess, a friendly competition of sorts to see who the, I mean, what really matters about these stupid titles anyway, but who the number two receiver was going to be between Corey Davis and Alan Lazard. And what I would say is, well, I believe Corey Davis is probably a better receiver. Everybody romanticizes him now that he's gone. He was fine, but he dropped a lot of passes, and he missed a lot of games. He missed a lot of games due to injury when he was here. And so he thought, well, Lazard, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, that should be okay. Nicole Hardman, nice gadget guy, right? Randall Cobb, who really cares? He's Roger's buddy. He'll barely see the field. Well, what happened was Corey Davis missed a lot of training camp for personal reasons, and then he later decided to retire. Fine. I had been screaming up down the whole time that he carried an $11 million cap number. The Jets could have gotten out of it for nothing, and they could have upgraded to somebody like DeAndre Hopkins or even drafted someone in the 15 to help better. They didn't do that. Okay, fine. Corey Davis leaves. What is it exactly you expect to do now? You got Alan Lazard, though. Oh, Alan Lazard, number two receiver. Despite the fact he's never had more than 788 yards in a season, even though he had Aaron Rodgers. Okay, fine. Rodgers loves him, blah, blah, blah. He'll be the number two guy. Hardman, oh, he's going to be this this guy. They'll expand the route tree. They'll do gadget stuff with him. Don't worry about it. The receiving core will be okay. Well, as we now know, as soon as Aaron Rodgers went down, it all folded like a house of cards. Garrett Wilson is the least of the Jets' problems, but to be honest, for as good as he's been, he's also been dropping passes and had a terrible turnover in the Raiders game as well. And then you take a look at what happened with – or not the Raiders game. It was the one uh, two weeks ago when he fumbled. I'm sorry. The one where the Jets turned it over 800,000 times against the Chargers. So he had a key turnover there. He had some drops in this game against the Raiders as well. But like I said, mostly he's been really good, least of their problems. Well, he's had to be. Like, Scott, he's had to be. If I can step in here for a second, just to give our listeners some context to this. Garrett Wilson has 90 targets. There are 90 targets this season in a game. Ryan, is it fair to call him an offense that's not built around the pass? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I'm not being crazy when I say this. In a high-volume pass and a low-volume passing offense, Garrett Wilson is 90 of your targets. The next... Two receivers yeah. behind him, Tyler Conklin, who actually is number two, and Alan Lazard don't combine for 90 targets. And the funny thing is, they don't combine for as many receptions. Your top three wide receivers 
Garrett Wilson, Tyler Conklin, El Lazard all have 60% or fewer target to reception ratio. Like that's a problem when you have these guys who are absorbing a ton of targets and they're just not making the catches. Garrett Wilson is right now only catching 61% of his targets, but he's the guy. He's the targeted guy. You wonder why the passing attack is so bad and you know people point at Zach Wilson and go, well, Zach Wilson sucks. Sure, he may not be good, but that's low. It's it's almost lazy to frame it like that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. If you really want to tell the story of something, what you do is you look at it and you say, okay, first of all, is your play design good? Well, I know Nate Hackett's your offensive coordinator, so I'm going to assume already it's not. Second of all, who else? Who is getting open? Who are your tertiary targets where if you have a quarterback who struggles throwing into double coverage or who doesn't have the arm strength to get you know to thread a needle to a guy who you know is, has, has a lot of defensive attention on him because he's your most talented target. You should th- These tertiary targets should be thriving. And instead, like you were just talking about Michael Hardman, he had two targets before you guys let him go. There was well, never an effort to make him a piece of this. Well, Drew, that's what I was getting to. Yeah. The problem is, and some people have theorized because Lazard's been on the injury report for a bit, that maybe he's playing hurt. Okay, fine, but even when he wasn't on the injury report, he's been terrible it's become very clear that he is absolutely a product of Aaron Rodgers. He's dropped a ton of passes. He runs lazy routes. Look, we all know Zach Wilson made a mistake there at the end of the game with that interception. But if you go back and look at the all 22, what you'll also see is that Alan Lazar ran the route. He got bumped off the route and then never came back. It was a comeback route. And so he essentially allowed the linebacker Spillane to jump and get the ball. Now, again, not the best decision by Wilson, but you got to do a better job there when you're Alan Lazard. You can't be given up on the route because he got bumped off of it, and he can't not fight back for the ball after that happens. So Lazard's been terrible. Hardman, dude, I don't even have enough time to get into how frustrating that whole situation is because they told everybody they're expanding the route tree. He's going to be this gadget guy, blah, 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 blah. Well, they gave him no targets. They didn't do anything with him. And then – after they got rid of him, the story became, well, his job and it got taken by the undrafted rookie, Xavier Gibson. If that were true, that would be fine. The problem is Gibson wasn't getting any snaps or any targets. So essentially all of that was going to Randall Cobb, who was the least efficient receiver the NFL has seen by next-gen metrics in 16 years. I think it was he had the worst uh, production route per run of any receiver in the NFL since 2007. And he had the highest drop rate in the league. By the way, Drew, the two guys with the highest drop rates in the NFL this year by a, a pretty significant margin, Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb. So that's all you need to know. Randall I literally went and looked at it. Your team has, I'm looking at it right now. Your team has one, two, three, four, five, six different players with drop percentages and double digits. Yeah, it's brutal. And listen, well, one again, of them they cut. So. Well, one of them they cut. They cut <laughs> Michael that. Carter. They were like, we "Oh, can, Michael Carter, you're out of here." To be fair, Michael Carter wasn't targeted a lot, but he was bad when he was targeted. But I, I, I will say though, like, look for as much as everybody's looking to blame Zach Wilson. I keep saying this: the receivers aren't catching. No one's getting open. If you go back and look at the tape, and I, I, this drives me nuts. It's a pet peeve of mine. People will go on uh, on the tape and go, "Look, all these open receivers." Yeah, but you don't know what the route concept is. <laughs> like, the play at the end of the game that I was talking about with the interception, yes, there was a player in the 
Blatt. I believe it was Brees Hall who was open. That was the only other place Wilson could have gone. The play was designed, the route concept, it was supposed to be all to the right. All three of Wilson's reads were to the right. People are pointing at open receivers on the left. He wasn't, the play wasn't designed for him to look left. And by the way, the guard got beat so bad that Wilson even attempted to look left. He's getting sacked for a 10 yard loss. So that drives me nuts when people open their mouths. And I'm, I'm not trying to be mean here, but people constantly open their mouths talking about this stuff. And they have no idea what they're looking at when they look at the all 22. So I'm not trying to sit here and say that Zach Wilson is playing great. But I think when you consider that he's a backup quarterback, look, you saw if you watched any of that game, he was not the problem in that game. Yes, there was that interception at the end, but every single time the Jets would get into a good position, somebody, and a lot of times it was C.J. Ozama, would commit a penalty and drop them back 10 yards. And now you're putting Zach Wilson in a third and 18 or whatever it is. He's a backup quarterback. You tell me how many backup quarterbacks are going to consistently be able to get the team out of a third and 18. It's hard enough for somebody like Justin Herbert to do it. So you keep putting this kid in these brutal situations. And again, I thought other than that bad interception at the end, he was mostly pretty solid for a number two quarterback going on the road against the Raiders and all of that. you got to help the kid at least a little. And again, I'm not saying he's the answer, but these people that are like Tim Boyle, Trevor Simeon, stop it. Stop it. I'm begging you. Stop it. Those guys are not, <laughs> they're not real options. If the Jets had gone out and traded for Josh Dobbs or signed Teddy Bridgewater, you could at least try to argue with me that maybe you try those guys, their actual options. I'm not even saying they'd be better, but at least they'd be real options if you wanted to pivot off of Zach Wilson. Now, and this is it. Wait, 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 wait. And this is your problem. Like what you just highlighted. You needed somebody else to step up. Right now, we all know that Garrett Wilson is the best wide receiver on your roster. Def- defensive coordinators know it too. If you look at NFL Next Gen stats, according to average separation, Right, average separation over the course of 11, uh, 10 weeks worth of games. Garrett Wilson is down in like the 40s, 2.6 yards, because teams know we have to cover that guy. Jam him at the line, give him help over the top. It's bracket coverage, and sometimes they'll put a third guy on him. He's drawing so much attention. He's the, what, 40th? I want to say, Ryan... I'm not being disingenuous. There's probably about 40 names in this list ahead of him. The top New York jet in terms of separation is your tight end, right? Tyler Conklin. Mm -hmm. And he's probably 24th, 23rd. And beyond that, you don't have another pass catcher out there in terms of separation until you get to the low, low, high thirties, low forties. And then everybody else isn't even on the map. What that, well, sort of, what that tells you is that there is nobody winning in this skill position group. They're getting one-on-ones. They just don't win them. And when they do or they are open, they're low percentage. They're low, like It's the stuff that like when Zach Wilson completes a pass to a tight end or he completes a pass to a running back. Yes, Brees Hall will have some highlight catches and runs. But at the same time, you can't build a whole passing attack around that. And the Jets are struggling because of that. Well, right. And that's kind of what I'm saying. When you have receivers that can't get open and drop passes when they do, when you have all these sloppy turnovers, when you have these penalties that are constantly killing drives, when you have an offensive line that just can't block, I mean, look, if it, I've said this before. 
if the Jets had like a legitimate starting option at quarterback, and I don't mean like spot starter or whatever, I'm talking about somebody who is like a legitimately good starting quarterback. Let's just use Jared Goff or someone like that as an example, okay? If the Jets had somebody like that, you could expect them to overcome some of this stuff, but they don't. And Zach Wilson, we all know what he is. He's, at this point, I would argue, a fairly capable backup quarterback and nothing more than that. And so to expect him to be able to overcome this stuff is just expecting too much. And I see people say, well, there are other backups that get their teams in the end zone. And, yeah, I get that. That's definitely true. But at the same time, like, come on, man. These these guys are not being put into these positions on and on over and over. And then you got Nate Hackett. And we could get into him. I, I don't even but have. That's, but that's what the, you that's what you want. But what what Wilson's doing is what you want from your backup quarterback, right? It's the yep. same thing that Josh Dobbs is doing in Minnesota. It's throw the ball a lot to the best player on the offense, and that's Garrett Wilson, right? Like right. separation or not, throw the ball to the best the best player, and that's Garrett Wilson. He's ninth in the NFL in targets with four guys in front of him who haven't had their bye week yet. So he's getting right. force-fed the ball, and that's exactly what you want to do, and that's what Dobbs has done since he came into Minnesota, Right? Is he's thrown the ball a ton to TJ Hawkinson, who's the best receiver because Jet is out. And the difference is between the two is that when push comes to shove, the the Minnesota offense is more adept at getting into the end zone because they've got an offensive coordinator who can scheme down around the goal line and can get his quarterback in space, let him run to well, the corner. Well, also he's got skill players like Addison who are making plays when they're given opportunities. Sure. How, like I said, it's it's capitalization and it's not and it just again, this is a referendum on the roster building that took place. Now, what I think is funny is for all the things we just decried about the Jets offense and how they're kind of one-dimensional. You know, they they're, they're going to have Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson's going to make plays. But he alone is not enough to sustain an attack. Like, if you had Aaron Rodgers at quarterback and nothing else, just him and Garrett Wilson, I feel like that's the offense he's been running in Green Bay for five years. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's, a, that's an offense that Aaron Rodgers can go win two MVPs in a Super Bowl. And with, that's it. Right? Like, so if you were still thinking in that mode, but you have you don't have that now. And it just seems like they're now trying to pivot. It's just not working because the rest of the guys in the roster... It's almost like when you sign up, like if, if there's an analogy I can make, it's when like you're in gym class and you have the gym class heroes and you look around and you go, oh, I'm on a team with this kid and this kid and this kid. Oh, shit. I don't have to do anything. We're going to we're going to mop up today. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Those guys are going to do most of the heavy lifting for you. Right. The Jets lost one of the guys who was supposed to do all the heavy lifting. And now you're looking around at Hackett and guys like Lazard, and guys like Cobb, and going, oh, no, they don't actually have it. They don't have any of the answers. Well, and, and, and you got you had a dynamic running back in Brees Hall that was yep. going to benefit from an Aaron Rodgers yes. getting the line of scrimmage, calling, you know, audibling to a run, calling, you know, he sees a blitz, he calls a run to counter it. That was going to feed all into that, right? And now when you lose Aaron Rodgers, you, you, you basically have to just do the best you can with your defense and go forward because from the moment they broke training camp with Zach Wilson as their backup, that was going to be their backup going forward. Mm-hmm. Like There was no other option at that point. There's right. also well, And then there's also this, and I don't blame Brees Hall for this one bit because I know he's an electric running back. Last week against the Raiders, he was third worst rushing yards over, over expected per attempt 
which means when a guy's there and tries to tackle you, how far do you get beyond that first guy? Like, hey, you should be down at first glance. And how many extra yards do you tack on? He was the third worst in the NFL. But I don't blame him for that because teams know. They're like, oh, well, Brees Hall's in the game? Okay, fine. Play, okay, we're going to – eyes on him. Mm-hmm. We're Eyes on that guy, and that's how we're going to run this. That's why you saw Delvin Cook having some success early on because they're like, well, we don't know what this is. But we do know when Brees Hall's in the field, that's the guy you target, and realistically his production was still good despite the fact that – like that's, 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 I think, the worst part. Brees Hall, 13 attempts, 28 yards. And you go, ah, fuck, that's a shit day. Well, what do you want? Yeah. Everybody knows what's coming. It's it's hard to orchestrate an offense when you're trying to fight that dynamic, man. Like, trust me, I've lived there. Ryan and I have both been in that boat before. The one thing I've been really interested by is coming out of your bye week, the defense. Because you would think, like, you're hearing things out of New England about how the, the defense is... Mac Jones has lost the roster. The defense no longer really cares. Like, they're kind of just... Like, they're going to do their jobs, but they're not engaged anymore because they know that their offense is going to piss the game away. The Jets' defense has been playing well, but but there's the caveat of who they played at quarterback. Drew, did you see what Mac Jones said, by the way, when they asked, why didn't you try Hail Mary at halftime? No. That I have no idea. Good question. Holy shit. Don't say that out loud. Don't That's say basic. that. You're That's a basic. bad leader. You're just a big. So now what I do is I look at this and I say to myself, you guys have held. Now, now, Ryan, 194, 119, and 274. That's not passing yards for their last three opponents. Those are total yardage produced by each of their last three opponents. You, You would think that the Jets would have given up on a season like this. And yet your defense is still out here doing the job that an elite defense should be doing, which is taking teams with average to, I don't know what you want to call, I don't even know what to make of Herbert anymore. Is he, you know. He's fine. He's fine. Yeah. And doing the thing that they should do, which is completely shutting them down and giving their offense every opportunity to win a game, even if they can't actually take advantage of it. Now, what, first of all, in a matchup against the Buffalo Bills, with this dynamic of the fact that they've been able to grapple with a lot of average quarterback play and knowing that we just, you know, we talked about it on a play like a jet this week, how average our offense has been playing. What do you th- expect them to line up and try to accomplish against this Josh Allen led offense, knowing that they just made a coordinator switch? You almost don't know what you're getting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, honestly, they've done so well against the pass. I mean, the the pass defense is, I think, the best in the league. Sauce Gardner, I, I laugh at all the idiots online. They're like, oh, look at the holding. Okay, whatever. I was actually, I got into a shouting match during the Raiders game because someone was like, oh, that was holding. I'm like, I'm not trying to be mean, but learn something about football. And the woman looked at me funny, and I'm like, no, I'm serious. Learn something about football if you thought that was holding on one of those plays because everybody just loves to do that with sauce. But him and DJ Reed, who is actually PFF's number one graded corner this season, Michael Carter in the slot has been outstanding. So we know Allen has struggled mightily against that Jet defense, and we know that they've done very well against every quarterback this year 
other than Dak Prescott. They shut down Herbert. They shut down Allen. They shut down Jalen Hurts. They shut down Patrick Mahomes. So everybody that's been good except for Prescott has been shut down by this Jets uh, passing um, uh, defense. As far as the run defense, though, they've had issues there. And you saw Josh Jacobs really gash them, especially in the second half. As you said to me on Play Like a Jet, James Cook is fourth in the league in yards above expected. If I were the Bills, I would be running the ball a lot and setting things up that way because then you might limit, and this sounds crazy, but it's sort of true, and you know that with Josh Allen, it would limit his need to feel like he needs to be a cowboy if you can gain yards on the ground and do that that way, I think you would you should run Allen a lot too if you're the Bills. So, so I think that's probably what they're going to do. And look, like I said, with the Jets, they're going they're going to try to scheme to take away whatever Josh Allen can do best, which they've done a good job of the last two years. But the running attack is really what uh, what would concern me as a Jets fan. And I think that if the Bills are smart, if Joe Brady puts together a good game plan. He'll come out and he'll establish the run and he'll go from there. What do you, if you had a biggest key to victory for the New York Jets, what would it be? I mean, this is going to sound simplistic, but score some damn points. They're not scoring any points. So look, the defense can do really well, but if the offense continues to not score points, it's going to be a big issue, right? So. That's kind of what, what it comes down to, really, more than anything else. They've got to stop Allen and continue to make him look bad, but ultimately they have to score points, and they just haven't been doing that. Yeah, I don't know how you fix that. I mean, this offense is as broken as one I've seen in a long time. It, well, wait a minute, except maybe like in terms of what should work and what shouldn't, maybe my own. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, we love you. We like the fact that you make time for us. Where can everybody find your work over at Play Like a Jet in the run to this game? Uh, excellent question, Shelton. You can find it anywhere you download podcasts, all your favorite apps. You can check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash play like a jet. You can check out uh, uh, our Twitter, which is youtube.com slash play like, uh, excuse me, uh, play like a jet one on Twitter. And I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing you guys on Sunday. I hear Iman is making steak. And uh, no matter what happens in the game, I think we're all going to win in the tailgate. So that that's a plus no matter what happens. Scott Mason, he's on X, Twitter, X, X Twitter, at Play Like a Jet 1. Drew was just on his show, Know Your Foe. Good times with Scott Mason. Is it good times? Are we really having a blast out here? Are we thriving? I'm drinking more tonight than I ever have, I think, coming on doing the show with you. <laughs> Good luck getting home. I'll figure it out. He's going to sleep on that couch in there. In fact, he and I are going to do what Iman, me and Iman did. We're, you're going to go upstairs and go to bed. He and I are going to sit down here till about midnight. Yeah, then you're going to have to Uber home because you all will have four flat tires each. <laughs> I parked across the street. I'm not in a driveway. I love Chris. Guys... I don't know what else to say. Let's just do it. Here, here's your keys to victory. Wow, it's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. First of all, stop turning the goddamn ball over. I, I don't know how much simpler you can make it than that. Like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do a preview, our style. Don't turn the ball over. Now, the real question becomes, who are the guys, right? Like, 
like there's nobody Jordan Whitehead. Okay, I, w- I want to point something out to you guys. Jordan Whitehead. Did, did anybody remember the name? Does it sound familiar? No. Is, is it, it's not? No. The guy that had two picks in week one? I was going to say. Jordan Whitehead? Not two. Oh, that's right. He had three. Three interceptions week one against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Jordan Whitehead leads the New York Jets defense in, turn, in interceptions with four. Three of which came in week one against Josh Allen. Yeah. The guy has one pick since then, and it came off a tip pass. There is nobody on this defense. Now, mind you, they have some, right? Bryce Hall, C.J. Mosley. Sauce Gardner has zero, mostly because people, if you're going to target Sauce, you're really, you have to know your guy's open. Yeah. Ashton Davis, Tony Adams, but realistically, there's nobody here who's a threat to force a turnover. So with this in mind, it should be really hard for Josh to throw interceptions against a defense like this. And yet... Hold my beer. I, well, that's it. Josh <laughs> is the first one to go, hey, hold my beer. I'll, I'll show you. I'll drill this thing right into those linebackers' numbers. How much of this falls on Joe Brady? This week, not a lot, I don't think. I don't, I don't think it's reasonable to expect much more than what Dorsey was already planning on in terms of, in terms of like, scheme, right? How they prepared for the game isn't going to change because of sure. Joe Brady. But What's situational change, play calling. Is situational gonna, play calling, absolutely. I think, what, I think what we'll see and what I would like to see, what I would be encouraged to see, is a lot of the same stuff that we saw last week against the Broncos. But something we haven't seen all season with Josh Allen, and that's get him on the move. Because when he's on the move is when he's the most dangerous. It's been his entire career. But do you know why? It's because you as a defender have watched a million highlight highlight reels of him just face shoving Kyle Van Noy into the dirt. Yeah. And you go, oh, fuck, I don't. Yeah, it's it's so you bit when you see him running, you go, oh, I got to bear down or you've seen the play where he's running to the sideline and keeps two feet in bounds and throws to a Gabe Davis in the back of the yeah. end zone. It's it's what I've I've covered. I've talked about it. Mario from hashtag sports and I when when we do their show, him and I joke about it, but we also have tweeted it with with the hashtag. It's it's this concept of chaos, Josh, right? It's get him on the move, create chaos for the defense, because when he's on the move, you don't know if he's going to run. If he runs, is he going to jump over me? Is he going to run through me? Is he going to run by me? If he throws it, is he going to throw deep? Is he going to throw the sideline? Is he going to pump fake you know, three yards past the line of scrimmage and then take off and run and point at me as he runs by me? Like, he creates all of these different, like you said, it's, it's all these thoughts that are running through the defender's yep. mind going, what is he going to do? Oh, my God. Is there somebody behind me in case he does get by me? Or do I need to like it's just creating chaos for the defense. And that's that that's, you know, that's what he's the best at. And it's this. The problem with Dorsey has been is that he puts Allen into situations where he has to try to make something happen. That's not a foreign concept for Josh. Mm-hmm. He's had to make things happen his entire career. The difference is, is that you're not putting him into situations where he feels comfortable trying to 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 do it all right mm-hmm. on the run with my legs. Now I really can can do whatever I want to do here. Diggs gets open, Davis gets open. I'll throw it, or I'm just going to run, lower my shoulder. And and I, the, the perfect microcosm of that was well, we talked about it during the the po- the uh, the recap show, but mm-hmm. it's the the play, the fourth and two, 
with Allen where he runs and he scrambles to the right side. Mm-hmm. Allen last year or mm-hmm. in, for Dable would have just lowered his shoulder and gotten those two yards. Yeah. Instead, he tries to throw downfield. Nobody's open, and you know you're 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 out of it in, in fourth and two. So they, they've got to figure out the, Joe Brady's job to on on Sunday is not to call a better football game. His mm-hmm. job is to get Josh comfortable behind center, and, and not, not only behind center, but also weaponize Josh Allen. Yeah. Weaponize Unleash the bootleg. Him. Weaponize the bootleg, and all of a sudden, it unlocks so many other things that are safe plays for your offense that still generate positive yards. Because that's what you need to do. We're starting from scratch. This is like a boxer mm-hmm. picking himself up off the mat. Now, for those of you who've never, I don't know if you've never sparred, you've never been involved in any of this, it's always this thing where you run up against somebody who has faster hands than you, and you just go, ah, fuck, and you can knock, it's, you might take a few. Sometimes it's body shots. Sometimes you just get knocked down. And you get up and you say, okay, I've got to change my approach and I'm going to build from there. Or you could be what the Bills have been. Just the guy who says, you know, I think back to the Tyson Fury. Uh, who was the guy that he beat twice? Oh, Anthony Joshua. Anthony, No, 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 no. Not Anthony Joshua. Joshua never fought Fury. No, oh, no, he hasn't fought Fury. It's uh, What's his name? The English guy. The uh... No, no. The uh, guy from Alabama. Oh, um. They yeah. had two marquee fights. Uh, who was? Yeah, I don't remember who you're talking about. Oh, um, oh, I just had popped in my head and went out. He had, well, he had a, out this all he had was a right hand. That's <laughs> no. all the guy had. I, it's it's escaping me. But realistically, it's one of those things where you have to develop your approach, and when it doesn't work, you have to alter your approach. But you get knocked down, you pick yourself up, and what you say is, okay, we start conservative now. We build from the inside and we work out. And now, I, once I establish that, hey, I can, I, I understand where his, where where his overhand's coming from. I understand that he's going to jab at this point when he closes at a certain distance, and I can circle away from that. And now I feel more comfortable to start throwing my punches. You have to do that as an offense because for the last couple of weeks you've been going out there and just throwing haymakers and getting rocked because you're leaving yourself open for it. It does, I don't care if it's conservative. You have to do it, and you have to rebuild this guy if you're Joe Brady from the ground up. Yeah, I, I think I think w- the example that you've seen this season that you really want to try to model what they're doing with Allen is what's happening in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. Yep, I would. Ma- you would. It I, took their offense a lot, and even now, Lamar Jackson isn't setting the stat sheet on fire. But look at their offense. But yeah, but you, I, I would say you could argue that he's having his best passing season. Of his career, there's right? fewer mistakes. His accuracy's better. Do you know how many how many times he's running the ball per game? Does it feel like less? It, it's more. It, he's he's averaging nine carries a game. Yeah. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I know because in fantasy football he's my quarterback, and it's maddening to watch him running. All of my stats are coming from running, and not throwing the ball. And you know, you look at that like you look at that game, the box score against. If that's all you look at was a scoreboard against the Browns. You'd say Lamar Jackson, thirty-three points. His team must he must have had a monster day. Yeah, he did not. No, I think he got me twelve fantasy points because he's not doing a ton in the air. Yeah, he also had some bad turnovers, which our quarterback is too. But realistically, they're saying, "Look, here's the scheme," but the scheme is also going to drive other things other than you, and we need this to continue working. Part of that gets to my second key, which is free James Cook. For the love of God, Sean McDermott, you take your you take your doghouse and you you shove the whole thing. 
like brush Snoopy off sideways. the top. Yeah, take Snoopy. <laughs> like the rock, turn that sideways. Take Snoopy off the roof of the doghouse, turn it sideways and straight up. One of the things that I love are some of these uh, advanced stats, right? And they're, they're not hard to find. Uh, the, the, the NFL partnering with Amazon has been a kind of a cool thing with the NFL Next Gen Stats yeah, thing, yeah. the way they've been able to collect data. What is it? Rush yards over expected is a very cool stat to me because what that tells you, so many people bitch about the performance of an offensive line when it comes to rushing stats. Rushing yards over expected on a given play takes into account how it was blocked, mm-hmm. where you ended up, and how close to the first defender who was supposed to tackle you, how many yardage, how many yards did you generate? Yeah. You watch where that goes, and you look at the numbers, and you say to yourself, okay, if your number of rush yards over expected is higher, that means that not only are you getting probably decent blocking, but you're making things happen. Yeah. There are yards here that you're expected to gain, but you're doing plus work. Right. You're getting above and beyond what should be reasonable for a given play. Yeah, I mean, before you before you get into where Cook is, some of the names that are there, yep. right? Like some of the best names in the NFL. So for those of you who are, you know, not as up to date on the advanced metrics, like what does this all mean to me, right? Like Christian the, the, McCaffrey yep. has 0.97 yards, r- rushing yards over expected. Yep. Which means, which means every time he touches the ball, he gains about one yard more than he's supposed to. Than he's supposed to, which is like that's an effective running back in the NFL. Yep. Today, with the way light boxes are constructed and the way passing, the, you know what I mean? Because you mm-hmm. have to. That's real success. Yep. Right there. But those names that you, that you see around here, right? Like Christian McCaffrey, Bijan Robinson, David Montgomery, Raheem J- Mostert, J- Zach Moss. Like these are the best running backs in the NFL at this moment right now. Brees Hall. Brees Hall. Brees yep. Hall at 1.11 yards. You know who's right behind him? James Cook. Fourth best in the NFL. Ahead of all the other guys that I talked about, right? Ahead McCaffrey, of B. McCaffrey. John Robinson, David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, James Conner, all those guys that are top flight at running backs right now. Cook is ahead of all of them. And, and now anybody who goes, oh, well, dude, well, because he's got Josh Allen. You're fucking right. It's because he has Josh Allen. Of course, the running back has, of course, the running back who plays with Josh Allen is going to have better statistics they're gonna have that so now for me what i look at i say to myself how do you harness this what do you have to do in order to make sure that this guy just gets it right like that he's an effective part of your game plan week in and week out i'll tell you what you don't do you don't bench him yeah you don't bench him for a quarter to quote unquote teach him a lesson well and then he got asked about it in the post game, and that's what kind of irked me a little bit. And they said, you know, you, you sat him for 16 plays. You know, what was the message there? And he goes, well, I told him that I believed in him. It's like, and I wanted someone to follow up. I know why they didn't follow up, but I wanted someone to follow up and say, well, did you tell him that you believed in him before or after you sat him for 16 straight plays? Because what, you know, your words don't match your actions in that situation, right? Like, especially when he puts the ball on the turf. For the first, second time in his entire career, first time since his first game in the NFL, and then the next drive, Gabe Davis, the balls go mm-hmm. off, ball goes off his hands and it gets intercepted, and then he's out there the very next play, and it's like, you know, sending a message that way is not the right way to send the message. No, right? and then here's the the other thing, 
we just got done talking to Scott about how great their pass defense is, their total defensive numbers. Not all, like, obviously those aren't great quarterbacks. Right. Also, rushing yards allowed, 203 yards given up to the, like, you had negative nine passing yards to the Giants. You still gave up all, over 200 on the ground in a game that you should have lost. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If your opponent could have just made any sort of a play, you lose that football game. They give up 84 to the Chargers, then 148 to Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. Like, that's probably their best rushing output of the entire season. Mm-hmm. When they play teams and they sell out to stop the pass, they are not impervious on the ground. You just have to be able to take advantage of it. You have the tools. You just have to go do it as an offense here for the Buffalo Bills this weekend. Well, I think the I think the question is is that do do the Jets come into this game with any type of fear that the Bills will be able to pass the football? Like is there any reason for them to sell out on the pass in in this scenario? They've got a brand new coordinator who took over 5 days before the game. You've got an offense that's in that's spiraling out of control at this point. Do you have any concern? Or do you sell out to say we're not going to get beat on the ground? We're going to make, you know, it sounds stupid to say it, right? Because of how good he's been. But is this a game where you say we're going to make Josh Allen with his new offensive coordinator beat us? See if they can get their shit together for 60 minutes and go put points up on us. Because there's been nothing over the last four games that's indicated they can. Chris, as our our resident football layperson, if you... We're the defensive coordinator of the New York Jets, and you had to pick your poison as far as what do I not want to happen to me on Sunday? Are you going to bet against Josh Allen? Are you going to take a look and say, you know what I want? I'm going to sell out to stop James Cook. I'm going to let Josh Allen throw the ball and see what happens. (laughs) Goal would be to shut down Stephon Diggs. (laughs) And get him out of the game, you, and then just uh, you try to make fi- make Allen throw to Gabe Davis with his stone hands. That's what it. I would do, of course, because that's the way you win football games. Yeah. It's not taking away James Cook, but James Cook might be your path to redemption here. And then, in terms of the defense, guys, this is a you're talking about an offense. We've seen what this offense is. If you lose to it, then I've lost all faith in you as a defensive coordinator. If you, I don't care that you're missing multiple Pro Bowlers. They've lost to teams that don't have any Pro Bowlers. But one, Max Max Crosby. (laughs) Max Crosby is the only defensive player on the Raiders who matters at all. And like if you're talking about the zeitgeist of the NFL. That guy's a warrior too, by the way. He plays every snap. Do you know, like, first of all, he's got face tattoos. And I have a rule against that. Like, I've never fist fought a guy with a face tattoo. You don't. That's that's no, a he rule. Just, don't he, fight a guy with a face tattoo. He just wants things more than I do. Yeah. He cares. <laughs> he wants everything more than he, I do. He wants everything in the world more than I want it. The, Max Crosby is a warrior. He's the thing that salvaged that Clellan Farrell draft. Yeah. Because they drafted Clellan Farrell number four overall and took Max Crosby in the fourth round. Max Crosby is an annual pro bowler. Yeah. That might have been the one thing Mayock got right. Like That's it. Mike Mayock for the Raiders. You mean John Gruden? Yeah, John Gruden. Not Mayock. Mayock did not have authority at the draft. It was Gruden. So then the funny thing is, why are you here? 
What do you do? <laughs> what I have no idea. What do you do here? What is it that you do here besides look like Eugene Levy's brother? Stop it. Like, like uh, all I know is that you look at their defense, you look at our defense, their defense is loaded with Pro Bowl talent. Yep. And they're playing like it. Our defense has talent, but we're more talented than most of the defenses they've played lately. Yeah. They got to go out there and play like it. You yeah, need your playmakers to show up. What you need to do is specifically this offensive tackle situation of theirs, this offensive line situation of theirs. If there was ever a day where you as Sean McDermott, the defensive coordinator slash head coach, can prove your value in that role, it's now. Against a team with all of these flaws in one of the most critical areas of a football team, you say, look, I know that my line is, I, I lost my best defensive tackle. It's okay, Linville Joseph is pretty good. Yeah. I uh, I have A.J. Epinesa. We had an A.J. Epinesa sighting this past week. He's not dead in the water. Let's go out there and make life really miserable for those guys. Yep. And that's how you're going to win this football game. But it takes the defense finding its identity again, and if there was ever a get-right game from them, it has to be this one, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I think you saw you saw shades of, of maybe what we can expect going forward, especially as you go up against a team like the Jets where they've, they've got like one weapon in the passing game and they've got a, a really good running game because that's essentially what Denver came into this game as, right? And what they decided to do was something I tweeted out and noticed it the second defensive drive. And it was just something that I kept. It was funny. Actually, my father pointed out, he goes, Hey, who's that guy in the yellow cleats? And I'm looking and I'm like, well, that's Cortland Sutton. And those are orange cleats. (laughs) He goes, well, he goes, how come, uh, how come they've got that number 31 just following them around? And I was like, Oh, that's an interesting, that's interesting. So Rasul Douglas was actually shadowing Cortland Sutton all game. And what that resulted in was eight catches for 53 yards, which isn't bad. No. But then the one play that he wasn't lined up on Sutton was the fourth down play yeah. where Sutton wound up in the back of the end zone with Taylor Rapp supposed to be in coverage 12 yards away from him. Yep. And he caught that touchdown pass. So I think, I think what that means is I would, expect, I would expect Douglas to probably draw Garrett Wilson this week. Mm-hmm. So very similar. He'll shadow him. He'll follow him on either side of the field. And, and if you watch the All-22 or anyone who does, you can watch Douglas. He stands in the huddle, defensive huddle. He waits for Sutton to break the huddle, and he goes to whatever side of the field he is. It's something we haven't usually seen from a Sean McDermott no. defense. Even with Trey White, You can tell he's getting that. desperate. Even with Trey White, they didn't do that, right? So, Not desperate enough. So what that does is that frees up, that frees up a lot of creativity in the secondary for him. If Micah Hyde is able to come back... I think you'll see some different looks in the defensive secondary to really try to confuse Zach Wilson. What that also means... Like, that's hard. It's this hard. This shouldn't be hard. Right. Yeah, right. I mean... The, they have no. They have one game in the last five where they don't have a turnover. It shouldn't be... Your, your game plan against the Jets, <laughs> you shouldn't be so, such a bad football team that your goal is to try to confuse Zach Wilson, right? Like, you should just be my able to go go play defense, and Zach Wilson will take care of itself. You want to talk about goals? Here's my goal. I'm going to drink enough during this tailgate, because we're on, we're on the verge of something here, guys. Um, I'm at the point where I may just decide that maybe this is all just... Chris, 
how many times have we left early now out of my just rage and frustration? I think the only game that at least I've been to in full was a home opener. Yeah. So, with that being said, I firmly believe that you have to start doing something here, and I'm going to get hammered during this tailgate. I'm going to be bombed. So if the team's not going to do something, you're going to do something. Well, no, I'm just going <laughs> to stop. I'm going to just get numb to this and just start leaving whenever I feel like it. I shouldn't say bombed. What I'm going to do is I'm going to drink and I'm going to enjoy myself and I'm going to have a great time at the tailgate because I feel like, like we talked about in the recap, the gilded drought, I'm in it. Yeah. So great, wonderful. I have an awesome quarterback and I have some cool things that I can tell people about that are, that are cool in fantasy football. I don't have a cohesive football team and I probably don't have a playoff football team out there. Well, I stayed for every one of those games. I'm not making that second. I'm not making that mistake a second time around. Well, it's because I think I think I figured it out too. I think it's because we stayed because the victories felt so great during yeah. the drought, right? Like it felt so awesome I used when to, you won games you weren't supposed to win, right? Exactly. Like, and so now we're here in this place where I'm just like, well, if you guys don't show up, then I'm not going to show up. Fine, you do whatever you want. I'll pay for that ticket for that seat to stay empty. I won't sell it just so some away fan can sit there. Absolutely not. I want that empty seat as a reminder of what could and should be at this point in time during your 2023 season. Guys, if they lose this week, I mean, this is it. Like, it, it may already, the, the fat lady may have, may have already sung and we just haven't heard it, but realistically, we, this is it. This this is your watershed moment. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, in, you're in win now for the rest of the season. You have so much more to lose than you do to win. And it, it starts this week. You start climbing out of hell. You know, the, the, uh, the uh, what's his face? The uh, any given Sunday speech. Oh. We got to start climbing out of hell. But El Pacino's hilarious. Inch by too. inch. Inch by inch. We got to climb out of hell. Now, it, we got to start this week, guys. And if, it, if not, then hey, the podcast will still be here. The beers will still be here. The tailgate will still be here playoff bills won't and maybe not sean mcdermott i don't know we gotta wait and see i can't wait we'll see you all out there chris Doxlot. yeah i'm not gonna be there 4180 abbott road the old uh iman and i are chefing up some steak we've got some appetizers it's gonna be fun you guys should come out stop by say hi but for tonight we gotta get out of here i'm drew gear that's chris krueger this has been your week 11 preview the headlines remind us daily The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.